Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, it is a Thursday edition of Birds 365. Methinks it will be a busy one. That's just a guess on my part. It's the Mac and Mac guys. Jody McDonald along with my partner, John McMullen. And man, we got a lot to sink our teeth into here on our episode number 14 here on Birds 365. J-Mac, how are you this morning? Doing well, Jody. Uh, just recovering from the big press conference. Recovering from all the emotion, all the excitement. Nick Sirianni getting fired up. You got uh, you and a whole bunch of other people fired up. Not everybody fired up the same exact way. And we'll talk about him plenty today. Uh, but it was just good to get some new Eagles information. Might not have been everything we wanted, but we did get some good information that we can sink our teeth into. And by the way, I got to tell you, Johnny Mac, you came up short. I oh, asked you yesterday what was going to be the time. Oh, I was right the at 45, wasn't it? You said 45, and I said I'd give you five minutes either way. 38 minutes and change. 38. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm thinking? That the start, I thought I hit it. And I was thinking about you asking me that. And I said, <laughs> wow, I hit it. But they started a little bit late. So yeah. I was going off. Uh, it was supposed to start at 1120. And then it ended at about 1205. And I'm thinking, wow, I nailed that. I can brag about that to Jody tomorrow. But I didn't think about, of course, like the president, they're always late. So they, they show you got to factor when, that in as well. They show up when they want to show up. And here's the beauty of it. Um, it turned out yesterday, I was up, as you know, uh, late the night before. So uh, yours truly kind of nodded off after our show today. I did a couple of things on the computer and then I laid down on the couch and boom, next thing I know, it's Philly's first pitch at one o'clock. So I got to get up and I had missed the entire Eagle press conference but that wasn't an issue because it was captured on the Eagles YouTube channel. So I punch up YouTube. And when you watch something on YouTube, oh, they give you the exact time of it. You know how long oh, yeah, something like yeah. used to be. You'd have to get a stopwatch yeah, yeah, yeah. out and make sure to see exactly how much time it is. No, I can tell you it's 38 minutes and change. Well, this is like a pro day. See, I was doing it with the hand timer, Jody. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. I got a 4-3. I got a 4-3. You got a 4-6 with the laser timer. Yeah, you got to start the timer when it starts. Not what time <laughs> no, it's scheduled. No, when it, no, when it actually starts is when this you have is, to no, click the button the and start your clock. Sorry about that, Jay. But you were in the general vicinity, and 38 minutes was good. Um, I would have taken an hour and a half if they just continued to go. But uh, most of you guys who do cover the team didn't get a chance to get your questions in. You got your question in, and you kind of got Nick Sirianni rolling. Yeah, I did. That was on purpose, by the way, because I saw, you know, yesterday on the show, Jody, I mentioned – I don't even know why they're putting him out there because in these types of circumstances, the head coach isn't involved that much in draft prep. We don't get to talk to Howie at very much. We get to talk to Andy Weidel less. So when you get in these circumstances, you have to direct the questions towards the guys you aren't going to talk to. We're going to talk to Nick Sirianni a lot 
as the season unfolds. So that's the way it shook out. That's the way it shakes out. That's the way it was with Doug Peterson. And I said, why are they rolling him out there? He's going to look like a third wheel. And sure enough, that's how it started. The first five questions directed to Howie Roseman or Andy Weidel, Nick's just sitting there doing nothing. Um, I, I can picture reporters starting to type already saying, what the hell is this guy? He's not involved, blah, blah, blah. Same thing happened to Doug Peterson. And then all of a sudden, in question, I think it was five, he just kind of took the floor and ran with it and just almost stole the mic. You know, obviously everybody had their own mic, but he just said, you know what? I'm going to start talking. So I said, this is pretty interesting. And then number six was Tim McManus. And Tim asked a, a, a very good question about how he's well-chronicled uh, draft picks over the past couple of years, which he did not deny. So then I was up and I followed up on that. And I said, in a second part, Nick, and I just asked him a question about how his role is different versus what he was as an, an assistant in a draft prep. You know, pretty basic question. And he just took the football and ran with it. As he likes to say, he put his foot in the ground. Right. And just took over the press conference. And by the way, Jody, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. He brought Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel looked like they got bad news. They looked like they wanted to be anywhere. But on that dais, and all of a sudden, Nick Sirianni, screw this, we got to do it anyway. And he had some fun, and he, and, he, and he explained some things. I know a lot of people took it the wrong way, and I don't understand that. Rock, paper, scissors. You know, people are killing him for that. And, and I think it's funny, Jody, because you, you have a guy bringing you in a little bit, giving you a nice little story. And people are ripping him to shreds, and you wonder why the average head coach in this league doesn't say anything. Well, that's an example why Andy Reid doesn't say anything. Because the minute you show a little personality, everybody's jumping down your throat. I just hope Nick Sirianni's not paying attention. I just hope it doesn't change him. I think it's a breath of fresh air. I really do. Exuberance and excitement. That's what he's done so far. His first press conference, I think he was pretty darn nervous. He had never been the man, the eye in the storm. Very nervous. Uh, and, and he showed his nerves a little bit in that first press conference. But since then, his media availabilities have been entertaining, exuberant, and excited. And I think they're honestly just his emotions. I think that's the coach. That yeah, he's I don't not think he's on a show. No. I don't think he's putting on a show or he's Robert De Niro in his prime. Um, I think he did uh, a great job. Now, I don't think it means anything, Jody, just like I don't think the nervousness meant anything. Ultimately, we're going to be asking the question, can he coach? And that's all that will matter. But, you know, for people who are criticizing him for showing personality, boy, I can't tell you how much I disagree with that. I really can't. This is one thing you and I are going to agree on today. I'm the same way. It's legit. It's him. He's just putting forth the way that he feels. And I understand the potential downside. And I think people are leaning way too negative, same as you. If you're going to coach the way you speak in a press conference, and that's what he's going to be. He's going to be an open book, a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. 
Uh, that can go one of two ways. Either the guys can get pumped up by it and draw motivation from it and ride that exuberance train with him, or, yeah, after you do that for a while, if you're not getting the results, your team tunes you out, and they roll their eyes when he starts in with the rah-rah type stuff. We don't know which way it's going to go yet. It could go either way, but people are saying as if it's a given that this uh, rah-rah stuff is not going to work when he gets in the clubhouse. you got to act like an NFL head coach. Well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And this guy, this cat gives us yeah. some entertainment while he's at it. I'm in. You, you, you've you won me over so far, Coach. Yeah. You know, I go back to when Jeffrey Lurie hired uh, Nick Sirianni, and he said he hit the interview, you know, hit a home run in the interview. And I said, this guy hit a home run? You know, the nervous press conference? I didn't see it. I couldn't picture it. Yesterday, I could picture it. Yesterday, I saw a guy who took over a room. Granted, it wasn't a real room. It was a virtual room, but he was in it with two other people. He took over the room. And I said, if he can do that, why can't he take over a locker room? Why can't he take over a meeting room? I think some people have big personalities, and it's not really about um, rah, rah. It's not really about, you know, running through the brick walls behind us, Jody. But it is about taking over the room and getting people to follow. Jalen Hurts, I say that all the time. That's his biggest strength, but he does it in a different way. Like he's very understated in front of the microphone on the podium. Behind the scenes, everybody loves that dude. Everybody follows him as a quarterback on the field. There, As he said, there are different ways to do things. In the case of Nick Sirianni, I saw for the first time what Jeffrey Lurie said, that this guy hit a home run because he took over that press conference. He took over that room, and he shouldn't have even been involved. Well, shouldn't have I, even been involved because it's not his purview, and he still took it over. I'm glad he was involved, and I think it should be his purview to a point. If he's the third wheel that's the way it really should be. How he should be the guy who should talk most because he's the guy who's bringing all that collaboration together. And at the end of the day, when the pick is made, it's supposed to be Howie Roseman. Andy Wydell should have been more involved because, yes, you're selecting players. You're in a draft. Guys, you haven't had a chance to coach before and you have to generate an evaluation of those players before they potentially become Philadelphia Eagles. That should be your scouts. That's their job. That's what they do. So Weidel should be important. But at least the way they sung the song yesterday, John, the collaboration effort has worked tremendously this year. <laughs> New coaching staff, Andy Weidel and his uh, uh, scouting staff have been on the Zoom every day talking it out, what the coach, what the scouts saw, what the coaches need, how they want to fit players into their system and the like. And they're all understanding each other. And that's why they're going to put together this great draft board. It actually played the way it should, but you're right. They did include the coach, which I need to ask you, do you believe that this year with this coaching staff, they will have more influence, maybe not on the actual draft night, the board is set, but leading up to that, while the board is being set, do you think the coaches and how they want to <laughs> deploy the players are getting more sway in these meetings? No, I, I think it's the exact same. Um, and, you know, if you're a good GM in this league, you want to get players that your coaching staff wants. So part of that is just 
uh, baked into the entire process that, you know, scheme is a big part of it. You know, interesting, Daniel Jeremiah had a conference call with reporters right after the Eagles conference call, well, a little bit after, about 45 minutes or so. And, you know, he mentioned, look, when I do this, I'm a 33rd team. I'm a made-up team. I'm not considering in a lot of instances scheme and what the coaches want. As a GM, you have to consider that. So how he considered it with Doug Peterson, he considers it with Nick Sirianni, Andy Weidel as well. So I don't think anything has changed from that perspective. I think the big disconnect with the Eagles has been and will continue to be sort of the two camps. I think, you know, coaching and scouting, I think they're they're married. They're together. You know, Andy Weidel wants to find players for Nick Sirianni. He wanted to find players for Doug Peterson. That's what he wants to do. Uh, then you have the analytics part of it. You have the owner. You have the GM. Think about Jody, you've been around for a long time. Think about when Jody first became, uh, think about when Howie first became the GM. Remember Jeffrey Lurie's explanation? Well, we go back and Howie would sort of do a shadow draft and his board was better than the real board. That's what he said. This guy's been doing this weird, you know, Jeff McClain, who I'm trying to get on the show next week, and we'll see if Jeff can do it, but he did a column this morning. He pointed out, look, you know, the scouting staff puts together the the board. There's a top 50, and Howie comes in with his top 50, and they get depressed because it's different in his wins. That's where we are. That's the problem. Fair enough. But, uh, again, I'm just going by what was stated yesterday. We had 38 minutes of conversation with Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel and on a, a, a different track, the head coach, at no point ever in any of the questions, and a bunch of you guys got a chance to ask questions, some of you like yourself, a uh, follow-up question, some like our buddy Jimmy Kemsky, a three-pronged question. So, <laughs> yes, uh, enough was tried to be pulled out of these sources. Never was the analytics department mentioned. They talked about collaboration. Yep. They talked about the scouting staff working so well with the new coaching staff and the time spent on Zoom and the time they spent with the players on Zoom and played rock, paper, scissors. And never once did, and I didn't expect Mr. Hallaby to be named by name, but I thought there might be a mention of the analytics department, that if the entire organization is working in this collaborative effort, the, the analytics department never came up. Now, is that because they have scaled back because of the questioning of the infighting between departments? Or was that Howie Roseman orchestrating a purposeful step around the analytics department because he didn't want to bring it into yesterday's general discussion? No, well, I think, you know, how we tried to couch that because we know how he's not going to talk about individuals. I mentioned that with players. He's certainly not going to talk about Alec Hallaby personally or Ryan Paganetti, who I brought up, you know, is not back with Jeff Mosher earlier uh, in the week. Um, so you try to couch it with collaboration. That's what I did. I said, you know, did last year affect the collaboration process because you weren't all together? You were all in your little like we are now, Jody, we're not in the studio together because of the pandemic. Well, that's what happened with the Eagles. Everybody's in their own little spot. So, you know, maybe if we were together, 
and we're going back and forth, and I'm saying Devontae Smith isn't the pick, and you want to convince me he is the pick. Maybe if you're in the room with me, you got a better chance to do that. Um, you know, so I wanted to get to Howie. I, I said, did that affect the collaborative process? I, you know, obviously gives the answer, gives the answer. It's not going to be that substantive. We knew that going in. But no, he's not going to mention Alec Halaby. And it is an issue. And we're here. We're here. I mean, people can talk about it all the time. It's well chronicled, as Tim McManus said. And Howie didn't deny it. Look, the scouts recommended certain players and the Eagles went in a different direction. The only the only question left is Jody. Why? Was it just Howie? Was it just Jeffrey? Why? You know, they've tried to throw the old coaching staff a little bit under the bus. In the case of the two second-round picks, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Jalen Hurts over the past two years, that was Jeff Lurie. So in a lot of ways, people want to kill Howie Roseman. That's not fair as well. But that's, you know, when you don't have transparency, it creates conspiracies. And we love conspiracies. Uh, speaking of which, I asked you, who, uh, when would we get our first Jeff Lurie question about his uh, effect on the draft? It was late in the 30-some-odd minutes, and uh, you don't know exactly how long they're going to run until uh, whoever's running the press. we got time for two more. Up until that point, you don't really know how many questions are going to be allowed, and the Lori question didn't come in till late. And Howie gave an answer that I completely and 100% expected. Oh, it hasn't changed. Jeff's uh, involvement in the draft is the same as it ever was. It's always just asking questions. It's not evaluations on Jeffrey. And like Jeffrey's going to say, well, my film breakdown says, no, he just questions those who are doing the work to make sure everybody is turning over every rock they have to. It didn't surprise me, the answer. It surprised me a little bit. It took us a while to get to Jeffrey. But Howie Roseman doing an excellent job of covering his owner's backside again. Yeah, and that's part of his job. We've talked about it a lot. In a lot of ways, his job description is lightning rod. I've mentioned a number of times. We talked about earlier this week, Jody, about fans going to Phillies games and saying, fire Howie Roseman, chanting fire Howie Roseman. The Eagles can could publish something on their website involving, you know, community, the community, their autism drive. And if you check out the comments – you know, five of the first 10 are fire Howie. So, I mean, when when you have all that angst, go on my social media, the followers I have right now, there's like five or six of them that have changed their Twitter names into some incarnation of fire Howie wow. Roseman. It, it is unbelievable. But when you have that, when you have that angst directed towards one person, well, guess who it's not directed toward? Right. Not that you can fire Jeffrey Lurie anyway, but still, it's nice to go to sleep at night and know they aren't chanting, you know, fire Jeffrey Lurie or, you know, torches and pitchforks at his home. It's nice to know you have that 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 sort of fence between you and all that disappointment. How he is a pseudo-armor for the owner of the Eagles. All right, uh, we've got two good guests coming your way here on Bird 65. A little bit later, we'll talk to our buddy Barrett Brooks, former Eagle offensive lineman, now co-host of the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. 
Uh, but coming up next, uh, Martin Frank from the uh, Delaware News Journal is going to jump aboard one of John's cohorts on the Eagle Beat. I've already gotten a couple of John's insights uh, pulled out of yesterday's press conference. We'll touch on that many more things when we get Martin Frank up with us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, the, the middle. The middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. That's oh. as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready. In just 8 or 16 weeks, train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. to the Phillies game there for a minute with the EA. No, I'm just right here on Bird 365 with my partner, John McMullen, joining us. We're lucky enough to have him to get his insight from yesterday's pre-draft media gathering. Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal, good enough to jump aboard with us. Martin, how are you this morning? Thanks for coming aboard. I'm doing well. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, Martin. First off, how's the leg? I haven't seen you for a while. We don't get to jump jump into the room together anymore. So how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I get to uh, shed the walking boot uh, next week, so I'll be ready in time for the big draft. Uh, 100% ready to go. There we go. Off IR at the right particular time. So first off, I want to get your uh, immediate reaction to, to Nick Sirianni, number one. I think the energy kind of ticked. Took people aback. I I like the rock scissors, uh, the, the rock 
scissors paper analogy. I mean, I, I think it showed some personality and, and, and I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. I compared it to Eeyore, uh, Howie Roseman, Andy White. It looked like they wanted to be anywhere else, but there at least Nick put some energy into the proceedings. Yeah, you know, the thing with uh, Nick Sirianni that's kind of kind of interesting, um, it's, it's trying something different. I mean, you know, we're on Zoom calls pretty much every day. I mean, you know, I feel sorry for all these draft prospects, you know, going through like 32 teams, you know, the, probably the same yeah. questions, you know, I mean, yeah, throw them a curveball, like see if, see if they can, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit, see how they handle it. I mean, maybe that doesn't tell you much, but maybe, you know, when you're deciding between two guys who have like similar traits, characteristics, uh, 40 times, you know, maybe how someone does in rock, scissors, paper, pop, Rock, paper, scissors competitions, you know. I got to think about it. I call it Rochambeau. Rochambeau. So just use that. (laughs) But, you know, maybe that kind of like gives you a little bit more insight into a guy's competitiveness. I mean, maybe it doesn't, but, you know, it's something different. You know, it's nothing wrong with trying something new, I guess. And they certainly did. I mean, it was just a little bizarre the way it all came out. That's all. (laughs) Growing up, I was an even odds guy. So I I don't know if I could show off my competitive nature with evens and odds, but that's uh, what we did as kids in uh, Yonkers. Um, Here's one thing that I did learn yesterday, and it hadn't even dawned on me, and I'll point a finger of guilt at myself. Shame on me. In talking about all these Zoom meetings that they had with prospective draftees, the coach did point out and oh, by the way, no time limits. At the combine, you get to meet yeah. with the guys and you're on a clock. You yeah, got to go in there and you got to come up with the information you need out of that meeting. And then they move on, conveyor belt to the next team. And the kid gets out of the room ASAP. In these Zoom meetings, Roger Goodell isn't sitting there with a stopwatch going, oh, you talk to him 20 minutes, get off the phone. No, you can take as long as you want, as long as you keep the young man involved and entertained and you're getting something from him. That hadn't even dawned on me. Shame on me. I should have known that. Um, but it sounds like the Eagles did a real good job at getting the information out of these guys that they could potentially draft. Yeah, and and I was actually pretty impressed with when uh, Andy Weidel said, uh, you know, at the Senior Bowl, which was held in Mobile, Alabama, which I guess had probably looser COVID restrictions than, you know, up here, um, they, they interviewed all 128 players in attendance there. And he was saying, like, in a typical year, they might interview 15 or 16. But I thought that was pretty smart because, A, they probably had a good idea at that point that, you know, if they do have a combine, um, it would be extremely limited. But as it turned out, they didn't have one at all. So, you know, they got to meet with all the, you know, the prospects at the Senior Bowl. And then they followed up with, you know, the Zoom calls and all that and probably a few games of rock, paper, scissors (laughs) and and Jeopardy and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, still, I mean, they got to, like, meet in person with all the candidates there. I mean, obviously it wasn't like the top juniors because it's the senior bowl, but you know, they still got to meet with a lot of prospects that maybe they wouldn't have, you know, under normal circumstances because of the combine being canceled and everything. Yeah. It's interesting, Martin, right after the Eagles, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had a conference call and he was talking about things in this process that might change moving forward. And, and he mentioned the zoom calls as something You know, the old top 30 visits, if you needed a linebacker, maybe you could bring in five linebackers. You can talk to 100 linebackers on Zoom. So Daniel said that's probably here to stay. 
And I right. think it is an interesting, we always talk about the disadvantages. I think in some ways that might turn out to be an advantage for, for actual scouting personnel. And that leads me segues into the issues with the Eagles. And that's the right. disconnect between the scouting department and not so much the coaching staff. I think those guys are on the same page, typically, mm -hmm. certainly in the Doug Peterson era. I expect that to continue. But then you have the scouting staff versus the analytics guys versus Howie Roseman, even Jeffrey Lurie. Yeah. You know, he was asked, Howie was asked, has Jeffrey changed? He said, no, same as always. But you have Jeff McClain's reporting. You know, Jeffrey Lurie stopped it. He wanted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He wanted Jalen Hurts. What do you make of all this? Well, um, I make of the fact that Jeffrey Lurie is is the owner and, you know, it's his money and it's his team and, and he can he can do what he wants. I mean, it's not necessarily the right thing sometimes. I mean, as it seems to be evident with the way last year's draft went and with the Ortega Whiteside uh, pick two years ago. But, you know, you know, you have. On the one hand, you have all these people. You have Howie Roseman. You have the analytics staff, which something, which is something Jeffrey Lurie believes strongly in. Um, going back to when he first got the team in the '90s, when it was seen, you know that that all seemed revolutionary. But you also have the scouting department, and they're the ones who are actually on the road, going to the games, you know, meeting with the with their coaches, meeting with uh, the players themselves, and everything like that. So. You know, I mean, you have to use all these people. You can't just say, well, I don't care what all these other guys say. This is who we should pick um, based on the analytics and, and whatever. I mean, you have to go – you have to take all that into account and make the best possible decision. And if the scouts are telling you to take, let's say, Justin Jefferson and the analytics guys or the coaching staff may be saying take – say take – Jalen Rager because, you know, he's faster and we need a speed guy. Well, at some point, you know, Howie or, or Jeffrey Lurie, they have to draw the line and say, well, no, we know Justin Jefferson. He had over 100 catches, you know, his last year at LSU. Um, we know he can be a really good NFL player and, and we got to take him. And that didn't happen. And the year before, the same, you know, it was the same case with Ortega Whiteside and, you know, seven picks later, DK Metcalf goes to the Seahawks and he's one of the top receivers in the NFL. And meanwhile, you know, JJ has 14 career catches. <laughs> Let me uh, continue this uh, another step. Mm -hmm. Howie Roseman, in theory, should not be on top of either the scouting staff or the analytics staff. He should be above both. He shouldn't necessarily be aligned with one more so than the other. He's the filter. All these guys give it information, and the bucket's supposed to stop with him. If you were to say Howie Roseman aligns himself with more one than the other, both of you guys, which one would you say he is? Do you think of Howie more as the head of the analytics team or more as the head of the scouting team? Well, I would say he's more the head of the Jeffrey Lurie team, you know? I mean, it's exactly what, what I was going to say. It's kind of what the owner wants. But, yeah. I mean, to your point, uh, you know, how he kind of came up through the organization, uh, I, I would think he's more of the analytics team. I mean, that's kind of like, well, actually, now that I think about it, maybe the scouting team. <laughs> it's hard to tell, you know? <laughs> it's hard and to and you want to know something? That could be a good thing. Because yeah, he's not I mean, supposed to really be the head of either one of them. Yeah. He's supposed to be the tiebreaker between the two. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at, at how he's, you know, the way he came up through the organization. He started out as, you know, in the scouting department. You know, he got into, uh, you know, the financial part of it and stuff. And, and, and you know, I'm sure he, he values analytics and everything like that, too. So, yeah, he should be kind of like overseeing all that. But, you know, it, it comes from Jeffrey. And, and Jeffrey Lurie, you know, wants to see a certain thing. And, and he'll say, find me this guy, you know, I'm assuming. And, and that's what they do. That's how it works. Yeah, from my perspective, I think it's as simple as the 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 boss doesn't always have to decree something. He can make it very, very clear what he wants. And then you, you go and do it, and you can go out there on the podium and say, no, Jeffrey just asks questions. Jeffrey does this. Je Jeffrey doesn't demand we take Jalen Hurts or J.J. Ortega Whiteside but he makes it very clear that that's the direction you should go in. I think that's the problem that's been going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I do want to shift gears, Martin, to some – we got some football knowledge as well. And probably the biggest thing, and I think this is a complete nothing burger, and that's Jalen Hurts. Refuse to name the starter. You've seen some of the spins, Martin. Is there anything, is that a big deal? Because from my perspective, it's April 21st yesterday. Who cares? <laughs> I know. I mean, but the point is, like, why not say it? Like, why not just say, yeah, Jalen's our starter going into camp. Um, you know, we're very excited about him. We picked him in the second round. We think he's going to be really good. That's why we kept him. That's why we traded Carson once. I mean, how hard is it to say that, you know? I mean, why say, well, you know, it, we have competition in every position. Uh, we like Jalen, but, you know, he's got to go out and earn it. I mean, yeah, obviously he's got to go out and earn it, but, I mean, he should be the starter going into it unless he totally messes it up. I mean, it's – And he will be, but I would argue, like Fletcher Cox, I mean, like he's accomplished. He's a pro ball player. He's an all-pro player. This is a second-round pick who started four games. I, I don't think he deserves that type of deference. And then the mm -hmm. second part I would say to you is, what if, by miracle, it's not going to happen, but what if Deshaun Watson's legal issues get cleared up and the Eagles say, oh, let's make a run? Or, you know, you've seen the epilepsy news come out about Justin Fields. Maybe he falls down the board a little bit. Maybe it becomes a value at number 12. My point is you never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, Martin, Jalen Hurts isn't the shrinking violet. Like, it's not going to affect him. I mean, that guy's just going to keep moving right. forward, working hard. Yeah, but I, I would counter that by saying, you know, how how bad would the Eagles be if if Joe Flacco wins the job and is the starting quarterback? It'd be good for you. What's that? Well, it yeah, be good for you. Delaware guy and stuff. But yeah. I mean, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's thirty six years old. He was a backup last year for the Jets, and he got to start four games, and we got to see. You know, you got to see him in those games. I mean, like, what does it say about Jalen Hurts if, if Joe Flacco beats him out for the job? I mean, what does that say? I mean, here's oh, the guy they picked in the second round. They traded Carson Wentz for it. I mean, why not just throw all your chips behind Jalen Hurts for this year and say he's the guy and, and, and go forward with that? Because if he can't get the job done, A, it says that they totally messed up with the Hurts pick last year and they totally messed up by trading Wentz in the first place. So, you know, where are they now? And, and they traded down from 6 to 12 pretty much 
taking them out of range of getting a quarterback. I mean, maybe one of them, like you said, Falson, which is possible, but I mean, you can't take that into account when you make that trade from six down to 12. No, no, you can't, but let's play that card. <laughs> if Justin Fields comes down to number 12, do both of you guys think it's a given that the Eagles will revisit and go, Hey, too much value. Yes. He was just a second round pick when we took Jalen hurts. He had mixed results last year when he got his chance to play. The upside for Justin Fields certainly is higher than it is for Jalen Hurts. Will they pull the trigger and make that pick? Do you think they opened that door enough that Eagle fans can go, yeah, I guess I got to watch every pick in the draft, not just tune in when the Eagles pick at 12, because I got to know if there is one of those top five quarterbacks that fall down to 12. Uh, I, I can't see it. I mean, I think once they decided to make that trade from six down to 12, they said, we're not, we're not going for a quarterback. Cause I mean, if they wanted a quarterback, I mean, the things they should have done is traded up from six to three where, where the 49ers did. I mean, and then no, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence or, or, uh, probably Zach Wilson, but you know, they would have their choice between fields, Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones. And, you know, if they liked one of those guys enough, you know, you do what it takes to get a quarterback. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think by trading back from six to 12, they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, maybe one of those guys will fall to us and we'll be happy getting them there, knowing that we got an extra first round pick out of the deal. I don't I don't think they're thinking that way. I think when they made that trade down from six to 12, they realized there were a bunch of players they could get at 12 that they would be happy with that may or may not be as, you know, in the same maybe in the same realm as as the guys they would have picked at six right but then i'll follow up where john went do you really believe there's going to be a competition between jalen hurts and joe flacco because no. they didn't they refused they had the chance his name was specifically brought to the table jalen hurts wasn't like they were talking about all the guys the eagles decided to take it the coach did a uh, competition for every position not going to name any starter well let's talk quarterback why didn't you name Jalen Hurts? Do you really believe, if you believe that they've already decided, well, we're out of the quarterback draft market, we traded down, so we're not going to get one, and we're not even going to assume that one's going to fall to us. Do you think there's a real, really is a competition between Hurts and Flacco? And if there isn't, why didn't they say that yesterday? Yeah, that's 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 the question I have. I mean, I, I can't I can't see any scenario in which. It looks good. A, if Flacco beats out Hurts, I mean that's just ridiculous. Um, and I, that's and bad think, news. That and, and that's bad on news. so many different levels. Yeah. I mean, it just says so many things about the organization. If, if Flacco, in fact, if there is a competition and Flacco ends up winning that competition, I mean, it's got to be Hurts's job, at least for for this year. I mean, you know, after if he doesn't do well this coming season, you know, you can kind of make the case. All right, if he doesn't do well then likely the Eagles will likely still be really bad this year, in which case they'll still be picking in the top 10, in which case they, they could have, they probably will have three first round picks next year, which they can use to move up to like, you know, the top two or three spots if they really want a quarterback there, which in which case they have to take one. But for this year, it's got to be Hertz's job. I mean, it just says so many bad things about the organization if it isn't. Now, one of the things is, Martin, I find interesting. You've seen uh, a number of personnel evaluators call this an historic quarterback class. It starts with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, yeah. the Eagles had no chance to get him, no chance. They like Zach Wilson, no chance to get him. But my question is, 
if you go in with that mentality, if you say, well, we, we've accumulated all this capital for 2022, and if Jalen Hurts doesn't succeed, we can just ship gears and go get a quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. Look, you, you generally don't have historic followed by historic. In other words, it's unlikely the quarterback class next year is going to be as well regarded as the quarterback class this year. So if you're already starting at six, I I agree what you said. You should go up and get the quarterback. Now, everything's about evaluation, of course. So that, my tea leaves says, that means they want a veteran quarterback next year, whether it's Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, cleared of allegations, even an Aaron Rodgers who might be available. Your take on that? Hmm. I, I would go in the opposite direction and say, like, they would – I don't know if, like, guys like Deshaun Watson or or Russell Wilson would be the answer. I mean, well, especially Russell Wilson. You're looking at a guy who's 33, 34 years old. Um, and remember, like, if you're trading for these guys, you know, they've got contracts. They're going to count, like, 30 to $40 million against your cap. Um, not saying the Eagles can afford that because they can, obviously, not you know, beginning next year with Wentz off the books. But, you know, at the same time, are you trying to build a team or are you trying to win now? Because, you know, those are two different answers. If you're trying to win now, then, yes, you go for the quarterback, but also you don't have 11 draft picks this year, you know. You're you're just kind of plugging in holes with, with free agents and you're spending a lot of money and, and you're going in that direction. So if they're going for a quarter, you know, if they're trading for one of those quarterbacks next year, then – you know, obviously they're not going to be big players in free agency next year because they won't have the money to do that. But if they're going to draft a quarterback next year, which is possible, then you have money to spend on free agents to plug in some of those holes. And, you know, you can be one of the big spenders like like New England was this past, you know, this past offseason. You can go for guys like that. Um, and another thing about that is, you know, when you look at the quarterbacks, um, in you know coming up next year i mean yeah they might not have the name like everyone knew trevor lawrence would be the number one pick for the last two years but you know you you go back to the 2016 draft when the eagles trade up to get carson wentz and i remember one of the things how he was saying it was well you know we didn't think the quarterback class would be that as strong next year well nobody knew that patrick mahomes coming out in 2017 would be you know, the franchise player that he is, and, and the same mm-hmm. for Deshaun Watson. I mean, those guys weren't really high on the radar in, you know, the year before in the draft. So there's always guys like that. Um, it's just a question of, you know, whether you feel strongly enough about them. And, and I'm sure the Eagles have to know, like, you know, who some of those guys coming, you know, might be coming out next year are. I mean, you know, there there have been speculation, uh, you know, on a, on a couple of names and everything like that. I think uh, – yeah, Sam Howell, Sam Howell, Slovis. You go back, Martin, you go back to this time last year. Nobody was talking about Zach Wilson. All of a sudden, exactly. somebody always emerges. Yeah, but, think, yeah, and the year Joe Burrow was the number one pick, the year before yeah. he was back up yeah. at Ohio State who transferred yeah. to LSU. I mean, there's always a guy like that is, is what I'm saying, and, and those guys there always, always is. emerge. But, right. I, yeah. but, but I will but say. But then again, Garrett Goff and Carson Wentz went one, two. And yeah. neither one of them is with their team anymore. They've both been traded. So where you're picked in the draft and how much steam is on you before the draft 
is all well and good, but then you have to come into the league and perform. We, exactly. we tie where everyone talked them up to and or their name gets called out in that first round to whether they're going to be great quarterbacks or not. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So we can all sit here and run down the list and put Spencer Rattler in there from Oklahoma too. None of us mm -hmm. know. And it's a question mark. Same thing as, yeah, I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. I'm sitting here praying for the Eagles so he falls down to 12. I think he's got a chance to be a star quarterback. Who knows? Maybe he's a bust. That's why they're, they're, they opened the door crack yesterday to make Eagle fans think, yeah, just if all the chips line up exactly right, we could still be a player in the quarterback market this offseason. Uh, I think Fields is the only guy where that actually comes into play. You know, it's interesting because uh, I was on a conference call with Mel Kuyper earlier in the week, and, you know, it turns out, you know, the hit rate on quarterbacks in the first round is like 50%. So he's like, you know, you take these top five guys, and, and two of them aren't going to pan out. One's going to be a disappointment. One's going to be a total bust. So who, who are those guys? I mean, we don't know. Is it, is it Trey Lance? He's played one game in the last two years. I mean, is it Fields? I mean, yeah, he was great against uh, – he was Clemson. great in the semifinal game against Clemson, but he was, you know, he was bad at, against like Indiana and Northwestern and stuff like that. I mean, you never know. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Trevor Lawrence's shoulder doesn't heal properly. Maybe he continues to have trouble with that, like throughout his career. Um, Zach Wilson. I mean, he never really played, you know, tough competition this past year at BYU. I mean, there are all these variables that you can throw in there that kind of makes it seem like, yeah, there are five quarterbacks will probably go in the top 10, but does that mean all five will succeed? No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I always say, Martin, it doesn't end when you hand the card in, you don't get a good quarterback or a bad quarterback. A lot depends on the coaching staff, where mm -hmm. they go to the scheme, how they're used. They're obviously uh, supporting cast. So it doesn't end, but I think all three of us agree at number 12, the Eagles aren't taking a quarterback. So what are they taking? That Let's get into that. All right. Well, I mean, if you look at their most glaring need or something, you know, they need a cornerback, you know, who can plug in and play right away opposite Darius Slay because obviously that's a major weakness for them. They also need a wide receiver based on their, you know, past mistakes and everything like that. So, you know, it's a – it's a matter of who's available. I mean, if Devontae Smith is there and, and, you know, you look at it and you say, well, the guy weighs 166 pounds. I mean, is he going to be able to hold up in an NFL, you know, typical NFL season? Um, or do you look at a cornerback, you know, does Patrick Sertain, you know, fall down to there? I mean, probably not, but then you're looking at JC Horn, you know, you're looking at Caleb Farley. I mean, you know, he just had the back surgery. Do you take a chance on another cornerback who's coming off an injury, you know, has an injury history? I mean, they tried that with Sidney Jones in the second round in 2017, and that kind of blew up in their faces. So I would say, like, if it's a choice between, like, a top wide receiver like Devontae Smith or even Jalen Waddle, I would think they go wide receiver first and then cornerback in the second round. But that's, mm. you know, that's just my opinion. And you've got to admit, yesterday, the coach got excited talking about receivers. We know that's his background. <laughs> he shook the table talking about receivers, which I thought was exciting and uh, telling. Yeah, he talked about receivers coming different sizes and different packages. 
I read into that mm -hmm. if Devontae Smith does fall down to 12. And I've seen a bunch of mocks where that's the case. It wouldn't be on my mock. If I were a team drafted in the top five, I'd be calling his name out. Same with Justin Fields. I have to just, just happen to be a big fan of both of those players. But if he falls down, I don't think the Eagles are going to be one of those teams that say, yeah, but he's only 166 pounds. Right. I think they're going to take the player because he's a good football player and not worry about size. I'll tell you the guy who looked like the prototypic new millennial wide receiver J.J. Ortega-Whiteside when they took him two years ago. How's that worked out? Not too well. So that's why I think Devonta Smith is the choice if he's there at number 12. I, I personally agree with you. And, and I was kind of like trying to read between the tea leaves of something else that Howie said. You know, he's talking about wide receivers. And, and I actually asked him, like, you know, why um, why the hit rate like in the in the first round especially is like so questionable on these wide receivers and and he was saying that one of the things is that you know when you're a wide receiver in college you're you're going against maybe the third or fourth at times you're going against the third or fourth cornerback in college but the third or fourth cornerback in college is not going to play in the NFL and and the reason why that might necess not necessarily apply to Devontae Smith is because you know he played at Alabama I mean they played in the SEC, they played against, you know, teams like LSU and and, and all that. And, you know, they were up against top competition. I mean, you saw what he did in the first half of the championship game against Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State doesn't have bad cornerbacks. I mean, you know, those guys, you know, will either have a chance or should play in the NFL. I mean, he had 215 yards in the first half against Ohio State in the championship game. I mean, he, he had a season that he had you know, against really good competition. Uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily apply. So that doesn't necessarily apply what Howie Roseman said about a guy like Devontae Smith. I mean, so, you know, I, I agree. I think if he's there at 12, he would be the top choice. I mean, I think he's one of the group of players the Eagles are targeting. And you also have to keep in mind, you know, the top three picks will be court, will be quarterbacks, and it's possible that two more will go – you know, sometime in the top 10. So really that leaves you seven non-quarterback prospects, you know, at number 12, like, you know, so that's really like they're picking in the top seven, basically with their 12 yeah, picks. From, the other from five position players, yeah. Yeah. And it, last one for me, Martin, because I know you got to run, but uh, first, of all, first of all, I want to tell everyone to read Martin at DelawareOnline.com. The Delaware News Journal. Every time I have Martin on one of my shows, I say Joe Biden's favorite newspaper, the president <laughs> of the United States. So loyal subscriber. Loyal subscriber. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to bring up the Eagles history. You know, Jody knows I've been preaching this. In the entire Jeffrey Lurie era, whenever this team is in the top half of the draft, so 16 or above, it's been quarterback, offensive line, or defensive line. They have never once wavered. You got to go back to 1988 when they chose somebody other than a quarterback, offensive, or defensive lineman when they are in the top half of the draft. Why does that change? Just because of the board? Or do the Eagles say, you know what? We need an edge rusher. Um, Brandon Graham's 33. Derek Barnett's on a contract year. Josh Sweat's on a contract year. It might not look like an immediate need, but it's going to be a need real quick. 
mm-hmm. whether it's a uh, uh, pay, you're a Michigan guy. Um, <laughs> you know, if they have to drop back to make it more value centric, you know, to the Eagles default to their DNA when it comes to down to this pick. Yeah, I, I would say no, because the one thing that has changed over over all those years is the importance of the wide receiver and the cornerback. I mean, it's a passing league now. So, yes, if you're drafting, you know, you can get a quarterback if that's your guy. But it's also the t- sign of the times. I mean, you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to catch the ball. And then on the other side, you have to have a guy who can stop the other team from from throwing deep. So. I think it's changed. I mean, they haven't drafted in that top spot in, you know, very often. I mean, you go back to Brandon Graham, that was 2010. You go back to Fletcher Cox, that was 2012. Yeah, they chose Derek Barnett in 2017, but, you know, we're talking, what, three times in the last 12 years they're picking in the top. And I will admit they did want Christian McCaffrey that year, but they, you know, he wasn't going to fall to 14. Right, right. And yeah, I think they looked into trading up to try to get them and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's it's different now. I mean, I think there's a lot more emphasis on quarterbacks. I mean, teams don't, they don't even give quarterbacks a, a long time to like develop anymore. I mean, a guy like Aaron Rodgers sitting for three years before taking over. I mean, that's, that's history. I mean, the Eagles gave up on Carson once and they had to pay him like, you know, the, he counted $34 million against their salary cap. So, you know, you want like immediate results right now. And and if you think that there's a wide receiver or a cornerback there, I mean, those are the two most important positions for the Eagles right now. And those are the two positions they have to address. I mean, yeah, I mean, some, you know, they could go defensive line, but I think the only way that happens is if, you know, Smith or Waddle or, or, you know, one of the cornerbacks are gone, you know, are gone by then. And, and, and they value like someone like, you know, Quiddy Pay or even Jalen Phillips or Gregory Russo higher than, you know, the other guys who are still remaining. I think, you know, it's a possibility, but I think that's like number three on their list of priorities at that point. Here's why Martin's right, that they're going outside rather mm-hmm. than inside. John and I are going to argue about this all the way up until next Thursday night. Um, Jeff Laurie, I believe, will have his fingerprints all over this draft again. And Jeff Laurie is all about offense and electricity and being mm-hmm. able to spread the field. And he doesn't care about defensive linemen. No, come on. He might care a little bit about quarterback, quarterback, because they have to stop those wide receivers and quarterbacks who he's all about. So I think you're right. My last question is Jeff Laurie related, uh, tying back uh, into the president of the United States. Do you think when Jeff Laurie asks his questions in the meeting and on draft night, he wears an earpiece so that Alex Hallaby can help him out with the questions that he has to ask to Howie Roseman and or the scouting staff, or is Jeffrey just that good that he can do it off the top of his head? Uh, I think Jeffrey like gets all these printouts and stuff like that. You know, it's like in a beautiful mind where you see like all these mathematical equations, like going, going on the, the screen and everything like that as he's looking at it and stuff. And I don't know. I think Jeffrey kind of sees himself that way. And, you know, if Alec Alaby is reading off these algorithms and, and mathematic formulas and Pythagorean theories and stuff like that, Jeffrey's like, yeah, yeah, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Who should we take? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Martin Frank says, if you've got emotional intelligence, you don't need an earpiece. Basically, that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, Martin, great stuff. Appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thanks for a couple of minutes. You know, we'll be punching you up again real soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Do Thanks, we will do it again. Martin Frank from the uh, Delaware News Journal, the choice of newspaper of the president of the United States. Uh, he's my partner. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll take a time out here. Come back. Uh, set up hour number two, including a confab with our buddy, former Eagle offensive lineman Barrett Brooks, co-host of the middle, going to jump aboard with the Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The, the, the middle. The middle. So, bro, I know we're going to get on that, but I, I, I got to say happy birthdays to the, to the kids in the stream. You know what I'm saying? We, we looking. We checking it out. Happy birthday to your, your kids, man. You know what I'm to saying? To who? The kids, man. I'm watching the stream, man. What stream? It's double birthdays. You got to keep your eyes yeah, off that stream. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, the conversation with the stream, and nobody has any idea what you're talking you gotta about. You got to give us a heads up. You hip to it. Because they get you hip to it. No, no, no. We I'm, have no I'm idea what you're bro. talking about. So now we're in the middle of something, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Happy right. birthday. Happy birthday yeah. to who? I have no idea what was, I, what's going on right now. I, I can just imagine people listening on Sports Map Radio just like, what did he just say? Who's he talking to? Play action real. Play action real. His son, Nick. Happy birthday, bro. And All then, right. Now, now everybody's got a birthday. Joey B's daughter, okay. 16 today. Yeah. I mean, BS today. Seriously. This is like A.C. Green selling that he right. was a virgin back with Showtime. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers, we are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds, and planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming, it's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Hour number two coming through for you here on the Jacob Media Channel. 
The Mac and Mac Guys. I'm Birch 365, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Baron Brooks to join us coming up about 20 minutes from now. Uh, JM, I was thinking about you as I watched the press conference. I guess I want to say on tape, but it's not on tape. It's just on YouTube. And you punch it up and you, you play it and you can reverse it. And you can do anything you want with it to go over things uh, a couple different times. I thought of you when your guy from phillyboys.com, Jimmy Kemsky, asked uh, not one, not two, but a three-part <laughs> question about the guard position. I said, is McMullen like passing notes to Kemsky that he's got to get some offensive line conversation in here? Uh, and he did. He got all three questions in and they answered him. They didn't really say anything. And Andy Weidel handled the question more than how he did. Uh, he said, we're uh, certainly... Uh, prized of their talents and a lot. We're not going to tell you exactly how we rate them or what we think of them, but know full well we we are understand their flexibility and their talent level and skill. The part of the question was about Isaac Samala and the fact that he's a guard now, but could become a center if and when they need it. If Kelsey's time comes and goes, uh, could you do any decent between the lines reading in there, Johnny Mack? That fortified your belief. When in doubt, the Eagles will go to the trenches in the top half of the first round? Well, I've been pretty consistent. I mean, if Rashawn Slater falls to 12, which I don't think he will be, I think the Eagles take him. I, I, I mean, but that's a player. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That I don't think is in, is in reach. So the question becomes, is there a third player? Because uh, Panay Sewell is also uh, a top-ten-level pick, and there's no way he's falling. So... Uh, and that comes down to Barrett Tucker, which is a name that was mentioned, and it has been mentioned. I've had the Eagles taking him at number 12. Certainly would not be a popular pick in my last sport mock draft on, on Sports Illustrated. Probably won't have him in the final mock draft. But I will say Daniel Jeremiah brought him up yesterday on his conference call, not talking about the Eagles called Barrett Tucker one of the safest, maybe the safest pick in the draft. It's going to be a Pro Bowl guard. I've made that comparison to Zach Martin because I think they're comparable players coming out. Zach Martin played left tackle at Notre Dame. And all I remember is people telling me he can play anywhere except center. You can put him at left guard. He's going to be a star, right guard, right tackle. Ultimately, he ended up, uh, at right guard for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know what he is now. Six-time All-Pro? All-Pro, not Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's right there with his compatriot, uh, another fighting Irish guy, Quentin Nelson, as the best guard in football. Brandon Brooks, when healthy, is also in that conversation. Uh, unfortunately, Brandon hasn't been healthy uh, very often lately. That's what I see with Barrett Tucker, man. If I, I, I will say this. If you give me three names, and you're not going to like this, Jody, if you give me Devontae Smith, if you give me J.C. Horn, if you give me Barrett Tucker and say, 
okay, he's going to be the three-time Pro Bowler six years from now. I'm going to tell you Vera Tucker, and a pretty significant degree, it's going to be Vera Tucker. Okay. Uh, yeah, I uh, don't have them evaluated the same way you do. And I was a little surprised you didn't go to Nelson as the comp because where where did the Eagles head coach come from? Uh, that would be Indianapolis. So uh, if you want to make the argument. Well, because, the- uh, well, the difference is Quentin Nelson was played left guard at Notre Dame, is a left guard, has always been a left guard. Whereas Zach Martin is my comp because I, Barrett Tucker played left tackle at USC last year. He played before that. He played inside at guard. He doesn't have the longest arms. That's the concern with NFL people. That's why most of them project him back inside. The reason the comp for me is Zach Martin is because of that versatility. If if you want him to play left tackle, he can play left tackle. He proved it. If you want him to play left guard, he can play left guard. If you want to kick him to the other side, he can play every position but center. And that's why Daniel Jeremiah was saying this guy is such a safe pick, such a clean pick. You you just you just plug him in where you need somebody, and you're going to be good at that position. That's pretty sexy to me as a football guy. I know it's not sexy to fans who want receivers and yardage, and that's all. But guess what? The guys up front aren't blocking. You're not getting that stuff. So it all starts up front. I've always said the Eagles are correct with their belief in building a team. They don't always do it correctly, but you got to have guys who can block. When the Eagles have a top five offensive line, they're good. When they had a bottom five offensive line last year because of injuries, they were bad. It's not it's not rocket science. I should know the answer to this, but I don't, so that's what I'm going to ask you. Uh, I remember the draft from just a couple of years ago when Nelson was taken where he was taken by Indianapolis. People were surprised by the fact that a guard, not a tackle. Not surprised anymore. A guard was taken as high as he was. When was Martin taken? I, I don't even remember. 2021, uh, maybe, somewhere in that range. Same, uh, So early. basically the same as Nelson, about the same. No, spot Nelson was time. top 10. Nelson was uh, Nelson was like the seventh overall okay. pick. Nelson right. was. Nelson, well, Nelson, Nelson was higher, but Martin yeah. was the first round as well. Yes. Okay. I'm looking it up. No, Zach was actually 16th overall. So Zach Martin was 16th overall in 2014. And Quentin Nelson was top 10. I believe he was number seven, which really, yeah. I mean, typically you don't take guards. Guards in the top 10. In no. the top 10. But again, now that you look at it, you know, Quentin Nelson in this league, he was the sixth overall pick. The sixth overall pick Damn. in 2018. Three-time All-Pro since then. I mean, I, I don't know what people want for value. But, you know, all I hear from scouts is Quentin about Quentin Nelson. That's offensive line porn, Jody, if you watch him. <laughs> he just kills people. And I don't know that Veritak is that player. No, uh, he's not that. No, Daniel I'm, Jeremiah is that no. big a fan. You're that big a fan. Uh, did, he's did, not Quentin and, Nelson. And I know all Pac-12 Pac players are so difficult to judge off this past year because they only played a handful of games, and then their season was over and done with because they started as late. I, I don't know that he is on the level of either of the other two guys, the perennial Pro Bowl guards, all pro guards that you're talking about. 
I don't know that he's that kind of player. Well, I don't think anybody's on Quentin Nelson's level. So that I put a little bit off to the side. I, you know, it's very unlikely he even reaches Zach Martin's level. I think that's unfair. I just compare him because the last time I heard people in this league talk about an offensive line prospect who was that clean, uh, that safe, so to speak, it was Zach Martin. That's why I make the comparison. Understood. And if that's the case, then John's going to be proven right that that's exactly what the Eagles are going to do. They're going to stick with their historical perspective and do the trenches when they have a chance to do the trenches. I'm glad you feel that way about the offensive lineman. You're not going to try and sell me the same thing with Quiddy Pay, are you? That no, you, I, you I'm, got some I'm, kind of comp to him, a guy no, who was underrated no. and was taken that high and blew up and became that kind of player. Because again, and no. Michigan, I saw a lot more than any Pac-12 players. Yeah, he didn't want me. To me, the the issue that's more of an Eagles need uh, edge rusher. Um, I mentioned Brandon is still playing at a high level, but he's 33. Um, Josh Sweat is on a contract year. Derek Barnett's on a contract year. So what what looks like it's pretty good. And by the way, you still need a fourth rotational guy. But what looks pretty good right now might not look pretty good in 2022. So it's not just about the immediacy of it. Uh, Pay is a, a good player, good prospect. People have him top 15 generally. I'm not in love with him. That's more of a, a marrying what an Eagles need that people aren't thinking about because it's not as immediate, but it's there. The last time the Eagles went into the defensive line with a pick in the top half of the first round was Derek Barnett. And to this point, I would say the Derek Barnett pick has been a disappointment. Not a bust, not a flat-out bust, but surely not a... Uh, a, a home run hit out of the park. I'd call it a disappointment. Can the Eagles just wipe their mind of that and say, yeah, we, we do we want to go down the Derek Barnett road again? They'd be okay with going down the Brandon uh, Graham road again because a decade later and maybe the biggest play in Eagles history, the or the uh, Fletcher Cox road, but there's no in, interior players. But, but I, I think Jody Derek Barnett is, a good player. His problem has been he can't stay on the field. He's he's always in and out of the lineup. I'm not saying he's been a great player, but I think if he played the way he's played and played 16 games every year, I think you'd be fine with that pick. Uh, the problem is he's had significant injuries. He's been out of the lineup a lot. So that has kind of skewed the the thinking on him. But I think when he is on the field, He's been pretty good. I don't. I don't think you would. I don't say you would say it's a home run, but I would say you think that's a solid pick if if he was on the field. But you know, best availability is, is best ability is availability. That's true. He's not on the field. Understood. Here's my read on Derek Barnett. Uh, slightly different from yours. Um, he's a guy who gets there's an analytical term pressures that he's in the backfield, that he gets hits on quarterbacks. What he doesn't get is actual sacks and or fumbles. Those are the plays that I want to see my speed rushing defensive end make. Sacks are, uh, pressures are nice. Quarterback hits are nice. 
It's kind of like you get a hit with a guy on first base, you move the runner to third. Well, you're you're making someone else have to do your work afterwards. You couldn't give the next well, person a better chance at it, but Jody, you didn't actually say get that the same job thing done. Ryan That's DeGram. the same thing that Derek Barnett is. People say that same thing about Brian DeGrant. Brian DeGrant's never had 10 sacks. That's always been the criticism with him. Topped out at nine and a half. I will say this. Go back to the NFC Championship game. Jim Schwartz would always explain this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in trouble. Go back to the NFC Championship game. People forget a lot of revisionist history. Early in that game, the Vikings go right down the, 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 the field and score. It's 7 nothing. They stop the Eagles. You have a punt. They got the football back. Who knows what happens? They get a first down. They're driving a little bit. They're facing the first uh, third down in the game. Chris Long gets the big pass rush. He doesn't sack Case Keenum. He doesn't sack him. He hits him in the chest. Ball flutters out. Patrick Robinson intercepts it, takes it back to the house. The place explodes. I've been covering this league for a long time, Jody. That is the only moment I can point to where a team with one play, literally, it was Indiana Jones. They took their heart and ripped it out of them on one play. Now, who's to say, if Chris Long gets a sack, great play, sack, maybe the Vikings pump the football, maybe they stuck, the complete momentum changes. Pressures are a big deal. And sometimes the back end of that play is better as a pressure than as a sack. And there's a perfect example. Sacks are always good, but pressures are a pretty big deal as well. But that was Chris Long who did that, not Derek Barnett. So that's why I'm saying Derek Barnett, uh, his <laughs> Eagle career has been what it has been. And I don't know that they necessarily will. Be. Hey, if Quiddy Pay comes in and he's Derek Barnett, is anybody going to throw a party five years from now? I don't no, think but so. he's going to be injured a lot. So it's going to be disappointing. That, I mean, that so much of it has to be with health. Health I, is a big thing. Let me get one more question in before we get our buddy Barrett Brooks up with us. Um did you think about the tremendous producer of the Birds 365 show at any point during yesterday's Eagles media build up to the draft session? Did I think about him? Yes. Um, no, not uh, during the press conference? Absolutely. What, I for did. the Alabama stuff? Absolutely, yes, because there was a direct question about Alabama. It might have been. Oh, the that's last. true. Ed was it, was it the last yeah. question? I think it yeah, might Ed, have even been the last buddy, question. Our buddy Ed Kratz asked that. Eddie Kratz asked that one. And damn, did Howie Roseman tap dance on that one. About, yeah. hey, well, I'm a Florida guy, so that kind of explains why we don't take <laughs> Alabama guys. But truth be told, my wife is Mo- from Mobile, so we're Alabama people, and we appreciate their, uh, their tremendous program and Nick Saban and all that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And how many guys have you selected in the last deck? None, Howie. Under your rate, none. No zero zero Alabama. Now, I player. said on the show you got to point out Jalen Hurts was an Alabama guy. No, he's I mean, an Oklahoma guy. They drafted no, him out Alabama. of Oklahoma. He's an Oklahoma guy. But he played more at Alabama than Oklahoma. When when they when they called out his name on draft night, when Roger Goodell said the Philadelphia Eagles select from Oklahoma University, Jalen Hurts. They didn't say. From Oklahoma via Alabama. No, they said from Oklahoma University. Jody, I'm a big context guy. 
And if you, you know, college football has changed. And way back when we were growing up, you didn't have these grad transfers. So you did have, now it's completely different. I mean, Russell Wilson played the majority of his career at North Carolina State, finished at Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsin guy. Um, Now it happens all the time. I mean, you got guys specifically graduating, transferring for one year to get that big bump. Look, I, I understand what you're saying. They say he's from Oklahoma, but I do think there's more context to it now. And it, and I will say it's weird that they, because Alabama is so good that at some point they haven't gotten the Crimson Tide player. So I'm not saying that, but I, I, I don't know. You don't scout the helmet. It doesn't matter. Don't pick an Alabama player. We're, so many people think they're taking Smith or Waddle. They might take Smith or Waddle. It's not – they're not not going to take and, him because – And or certain. If he gets what, down yeah. to 12, I think there's – I think the odds on them taking an Alabama player are certainly higher than any other university that you want to put out there for that potential first pick of number 12 because there's not one, not two. Hey, if uh, John McMullen had his way, they'd consider Barmore the defensive tackle yeah. because you yeah. got to stick to the trenches at number 12. Who yeah. knows? Maybe he hits that guy. Well, yeah. half, when half the guys are Alabama in the first round, there's a pretty good chance that uh, you're going to take an Alabama guy. Right. I, I, what I'm trying to say is I'll rip Howie for a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to rip him. He's not not taking Alabama guys because they're from Alabama. I don't believe that for a second. Nor do I, but it is, uh, you got to at least mention it when it's been the better part of a decade and they haven't gotten one and they put more people into the NFL than any other university. It does kind of stick out like a sore thumb and that's why I was brought into the light yesterday. And I really did. Uh, Much like Nick Sirianni being entertaining with his uh, enthusiasm, I thought that was entertaining. How are you trying to dance around the fact that he hasn't picked an Alabama? Yeah, but my wife is from Mobile. Can I get points for that? No, you can't, Howie. You actually have to call out an Alabama's player's name uh, come draft night. And I think there is a real good chance that they will do just that. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We thank the Eagles for having their pre-draft media availability yesterday because it gives us a chance to get in-depth on some Eagle issues. Apparently yesterday on the middle, and I'm sorry I missed the middle because A, I fell asleep after our show, and then B, when I got up, I went to YouTube and I watched the Eagles' uh, media availability. Apparently after it was over and done with, a lot of reaction on the middle yesterday, Harry Mays, Aton Shandra, and our guy Barrett Brooks, and those guys were not as enthused about the next Eagles head coach as you and I are. You and I like the entertaining, uh, enthusiastic Nick Sirianni, the middle guys, and that includes Barrett Brooks, not nearly as much. So that is one of the things we'll tackle with Barrett when we punch him up. Get his take on the upcoming draft. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we are Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, the, the middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that, that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. 
That's as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Like it said right there, we need you guys to subscribe and or do us a favor. Tell your buddies to subscribe. If you're enjoying Birds 365, if you're enjoying the middle, get on the Jacob Media channel and uh, get your friends to subscribe to us as well. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you. We bring in our bud, our sister from another, our brother from another mother, uh, Big Bad Barrett Brooks, former Eagles offensive lineman and co-host of the middle. How are you, Barrett? I'm appreciating this, man. I'm up with the varsity, so I'm with the varsity today. No. I was tired of being down there with them JV guys oh. at 11 o'clock. Oh. I'm here with the varsity now. You wow, know? it sounds like there's <laughs> the same kind of dissension on the middle as maybe in the Eagles draft room. Well, it's, 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 not, it's not like, you know, it's just peachy clean up there. You know, it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's an environment where you have to be on your toes all the time. They talk things other than what I want to talk about football. Oh, yeah. Aton, Aton, and you know Harry, Harry are famous for derailing things. Right. That's what they do. <laughs> That's what I'm what saying, man. It, 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 you just got to be on your toes all the time, man. But I, I mean, just looking at the stream, man. Uh, you guys talking a lot about what's going on with this draft coming up here next week, huh? Yeah, you're you're the stream guy, so <laughs> you you keep an eye on the stream more than I do. I do, but all I time. will say. Well, before we get to the draft, because I want to talk to you about the offensive line. We just had a big discussion about. Elijah Barrett Tucker, because, you know, Daniel Jeremiah talked about how clean he is as a prospect, how safe he is as a prospect. So I want to get into that with you. But first off, 
we got to talk about Nick Sirianni. We got to talk about the energy. I heard you guys were ripping him to, sh- to, to shreds. I and liked yeah. it. I well, liked you know, it. Exactly. And you know what? That comes from my ignorance of not seeing the press conference. I just took the word of Harry saying he said something about rock, paper, scissors. And I yeah, took that yeah. and ran with it. But, and you know, I had to go in and do my research. I watched it. And that's what I needed to see from him the first day. It wasn't yeah. scripted. It was him being him. And and to me, that's what you need to be. He can get he can get along here. If, if he knows how to coach, he'll do fine here in Philadelphia because that's what we as fans want. We want somebody that's real, who's not going to sugarcoat it, who's not going to give us the company line. We knew who Andy Reid was because he came in and, you know, hey, uh, I'm not going to talk about that or, you know, uh, I just got to teach my guys better. We knew what to expect from him. Well, this guy, we don't know what to expect because we didn't get him. We finally got him. I see who he is now, and I'm, I'm good with it. You know, he's just a guy that's very passionate, reminds me a lot of Harbaugh, you know, especially when he first started out. I see an opportunity for him to go out there and show who he is. So, yes, my ignorance, I, I, I take it, and I, I have to apologize for just reacting off of what Harry said as opposed to seeing exactly what was said. See, now I'll <laughs> cut you some slack here about and give you a ton of credit. You guys were on the air while the press gathering was taking place. Yep. So you couldn't sit there and watch it and hang on every single word and parse out everything that they were saying. Uh, and I guess Harry gave you some bad insight or info. Uh, so you did step out against the coach. It's good of you to admit your mistake and say, no, we like a guy. Here's my take on it. I liked it. I'm with uh, Johnny Mac completely. Uh, I think he's honest. I think he's enthusiastic. Yep. I think he's genuine. Some guys are rah rah, but you know that they're putting on a show. I don't believe that at all. With this new head coach, it can cut either way. Uh, yeah. If if it works and you're winning and he's that type of a guy, the players will jump on the bandwagon and be rah rah with him. If they're losing. It'll get old fast and guys will start rolling their eyes and tune him out. We don't know which way it's going to go just yet, but you're a former player. You'd know better than me. Is my assumption correct that it depends on the final score at the end of the day as to whether the way that Nick Sirianni does his business, states his business, will or won't work in a locker room? Well, you know what? There's there's three things that the players um, really make sure that, you know, they can win a player over and make sure that you keep the players in the right state of mind. Number one, you got to be up from them. You can't lie to them. Just tell them the truth. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, tell them the truth. BC, Bill Cowher's famous for that. He'll tell you the truth, good, bad, or indifferent. Number two, can he make me better? I mean, if he can go out there and make me better, even in losing times, if I feel myself getting better, I see us going in the right direction, the players will stay on there. And then number three, he's just got to be genuine. I mean, if you're a player's coach, be a player's coach. If you're if you're not a player's coach, if you're a guy that dictates to your um to to your to your other coaches on you know to, to, that are position coaches, and that's how you get your 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 mode of operation on how to play um how you're gonna play for this team, then be that guy. There are certain people that try to be you know straddle that fence, and if a player sees that, they're not gonna want to ride with you. You know what I'm saying? But if you're a head coach and you are who you are as far as a rah-rah guy, Cow was a rah-rah guy. I had, you know, guys like Butch Davis. Hated Butch Davis. Everybody hated Butch Davis because he, <laughs> he was, a, you know, he, 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 had, he had his forked tongue, man. He was, he, you know, he out there selling, you know, 
whatever. You know, he, he tried to sell you everything, knowing everything was a lie. So the players don't trust him. They're not going to play for you. If if you go out there, just like Ray, Ray Rhodes. Ray Rhodes was, you know, he was just one of those guys that, hey, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. He's going to tell you how it is, and he's going to give you a couple MFs throughout your conversation with him. <laughs> players just want genuineness. You know what I'm saying? Be who you're going to be. So, like I said, number one, you can't lie to him. Number two, can you get me better? And number three, be who you are. If, if, if we see those type of things, we'll ride with that coach till the end. We'll give him everything we got. And I think the most important part of what you said there, Barrett, is it can be done different ways. And, yep. and it's all about, from a player's perspective, it's all about how you connect with the players. I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you guys are paying any attention to, to press conferences. So unless some of that seeps in, uh, you know, and everybody's making a big deal about the Rochambeau, about the rock, paper, scissors, you guys don't care about that. Not at all. They're going to look at that like, all right, whatever. You know, that first team meeting, he has to make sure that he wins those guys over. He has to make sure that they understand who he is. He has defined the relationship between he and his team. If he goes in, and it could be, it could be, it can be a relationship, but he's going to be an a hole. If if he's an a hole, they'll respect that and they'll know how to conduct themselves accordingly. If he comes in as a totalitarian. That respect that and adjust and, and and play accordingly. If he comes in as one of those guys want to love up on you, they'll respect that. And you know, as they go forward, they'll learn how to adjust and, and, and play the way this coach wants them to play. But he has to make sure he's genuine with them, he doesn't lie to them, and make sure that he gets them better. And that's the biggest thing. These guys want to get better. This team does not want to lose. They want to know that this coaching staff can make them better players. And if they make them better players, they'll become a better team. Let me disagree with my partner here just a little bit, and I need you to either verify or tell me that I'm wrong, Barrett. Uh, John just said, uh, the players don't listen to press conferences. Well, when, when you were playing, Barrett, I believe that was the case because you either had to tune in at the exact time to the radio or buy a newspaper to be able to see the quotes from your coach in a press conference from the day before. Not anymore. If you got a phone... And you know how to work it and punch up YouTube. You could have watched yesterday's press gathering an hour after it took place, two hours after, four hours. It's not all that hard to get your information about something your coach had said after the fact. Now, this is 2021 we're talking about. The rules and the technology have changed a little bit. So if you have talked to any players over the last couple of years and asked them about what the organization was saying or what the coach or someone was saying about them, are they more cognizant? Do they follow it more closely than when you were a player? Do you believe that? They'll have instant access to them. People have instant access to them just because of the nature of how social media is and how, you know, these guys digest their media. Of course, they'll have that, but they're not going to care about him talking about some rock, paper, scissors. They're gonna all they're gonna care about is can this guy make us better? Because at this point, this team needs to get better with the talent that they have, and that's huge to them. Right now, they feel as though they're the laughing stocks of 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 the NFL. They want to get out of this hole, get out of this pit, and he's the guy that's in charge of them going out there and getting out of this pit. Now, with instant access and them being, you know, having that readily available, they do have a sense of all right, what's going on with this guy? You know. I haven't met him yet, so, I mean, is this guy really, you know, what we just saw? But, you know, as they get to know this coach, 
I believe that they'll fall into line. And, and but it's, it's I mean, it's, I tell you what, put it like this if they had social media back when I was playing, half the NFL would be out in jail or, or, or in parts <laughs> unknown. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, I maybe mean, this is back in the day where guys just smoke cigarettes at halftime. Kirk of used to be in the back of the locker room smoking a square. You know, said he, 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 hey, Ray Bob, Ray Bob, told him Ray Road, Ray Bob, Ray Bob, I need a lighter. He's like, man, you got to go to my office for that, man. It's in my office. You know, that this is at halftime. You know, it, it was different back then. Willie T playing, playing a video game at halftime. I mean, at that point, you know, it this it was just a different type of environment. Guys do how to take care of business, but they weren't. They didn't have that instant access. Stuff that was said in the media would just roll off their backs. These days, these kids are, are sensitive. You know, they find out stuff. They're real sensitive. You know, That's they. True. Oh, Barrett, you said this. Okay, I did say that. You know, well, why would you say that? Because I know the game. You know, I I, I didn't got to you know heated arguments with players. Uh, you know, in fact, me and Kelsey had you know had a talk one time. I'm like, yo, bro. He's like, B, why would you say that? I was like, I'm telling you the truth. Right. Well, how do you know? You don't know the play. I said, I do know the play. That was a screenplay. On the screenplay, first guy out, he's got to get the mugger. He's got to get the guy that's one-on-one with the back. Second guy out has to get out to the um, the widest man on the field, get on the numbers, and make sure that he leads them down that path, the numbers. That's that's you know that's where we say uh, the, the, the screen is supposed to go to. I said the next guy out, check backside to see if there's anybody tracking the screen from the backside. Then he goes up the field and gets him a block. I said, am I wrong? No, you're right, Bubba. I said, like, oh, 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 I'm just saying, you know, I just told what the play was. You didn't, you didn't get to the second, you didn't get the mugger, and the mugger blew it up. Well, B Brooks, man, just don't be saying about it. I was like, all right, man, we'll go, you know. Yeah. So, but you know, oh. as long as you're honest to a player, we're good. Yeah, Barrett's right. I mean, guys are so much more sensitive just yeah. over my 25 years covering the league. I mean, Nelson Aguilar, I once said. Man, I once said Golden Tate, they they just acquired Golden Tate. And I said, this is a proven player. Nelson wasn't playing well. They brought him here for a reason. He should be the slot receiver. Nelson knew that, man. Next time I was in the locker room, he's like, what are you saying, man? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? It, it's unbelievable how sensitive certain players will be in this type of environment. Also understandable. But I want to I want to shift gears with you, Barrett, because now you've done your research. There were three people on that dais yesterday. What do you think of the performance of Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel? Anything stick out to you? Well, it's, I still don't see how Andy Weidel's. Uh, I, I see his role. I see what he is. He's going to give them a game plan. He's going to give them a list of guys and 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 what they bring to the table as far as um, how they can help a team. Now. The decision makers, Howie Roseman, will he listen to that? How much of an input will Andy Waddle have? And I still don't know. I mean, because I think Andy Waddle is very, very sharp. I think he's a really good evaluator of talent. He comes from that from that old school Baltimore uh, regime where they know how to look at players and evaluate talent, you know, and that's why they were so successful, um, you know, when when he was there. But I will say this. I still don't know how the head coach and what they're um, how much of the stock will he have in there? You know, it still seems like to me the majority of the decision makes sixty percent is going to be Howie, then it might be right about about you know twenty percent for 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 Andy Waddle, and I'm thinking you know not a lot at all. Like what ten percent for coaches and and another ten percent for the scouts? I mean that's that's you know that's that's to me that's too big of a piece of a pie. 
for Howard he wields that power. I think he really needs to invest in the guys and that um that are that do that work. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly mm-hmm. what Andrew Waddell he puts the time in to evaluate talent and see how it can help the team. Let me get back to those overly sensitive players you were referencing, Barrett, because uh, there was a big chunk of yesterday's press conference in which they talk about competition. And the coach said it's one of his core tenets that that's right there at the top of the list of how he determines how good football players play. Are they willing to compete? Is Lane Johnson going to have to compete for the starting right tackle? Is Jason Kelsey going to have to start to comp- uh, compete for the starting center position? Is Fletcher Cox going to have to compete for starting defensive tackle? I know the question started off about the quarterback, but the coach specifically took it to every position. Like, I'm not naming a starter anywhere. If these players are overly sensitive, did the coach open up potential issues by declaring no starters yesterday? Jody. There is no way on God's green earth that Fletcher Cox will not be a starter. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The coach said he's not naming any yeah, starters. Well, he's just, he, he, I think he was being more so of a guy that, you know, he, he was wanted to stay away from the co- from the quarterback position. That's what that, yeah. he's trying to divert. Uh, it, he was trying to wag the dog in all, all actuality. You know, he, he's trying to divert you over here, you know, shake over, shake and bake, shake over here. And, and and go back over here. It, it, there's no way that, you know, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, they would look at him like he's crazy. In fact, if he said that, it went right over their head, right over their head. He could be out on the field and let somebody go up in that right tackle position, Lane Johnson healthy or Brandon Brooks or Fletcher Cox. Let somebody go in that position. It would be a, a mass hysteria on that team because those three – the respect factor that they have and understanding the level uh, in which they play, there's no way that a guy will step into that. Now, the cornerback position? Yeah. Barrett, now Jody brings up names like Fletcher Cox and and Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. These are proven all-pro level players. Yes. Why do people think Jalen Hurts should be in the conversation with them as a guy who's named the starter on April 21st? What has right. he done? Exactly. Conversation with you Fletcher know, Cox. I got into it with even um, even with you know the guys on the stream, and I got to it with Aton and Harry about them. I'm like, look, at this point, if you when you go out to camp, of course, you know he's gonna Hertz is gonna be the guy taking the starting yes, reps. He'll be taking the starting reps, but will he be a guy that's gonna you know be able to overtake? I don't know. I mean, at this point, you got a guy that's proven who's won a Super Bowl, understands how to read defenses. He's played against all those defenses. He knows tendencies of what other players want to do to him. He understands that the coach is trying to, you know, get this out of the offense. All stuff that Jalen Hurts hasn't experienced before. So that experience is going to help Flacco out. So you will see a a drastic difference between Flacco's game and Hurts' game. I mean, it's going to be a measurable difference because he understands how to be an NFL football player. At this point, Jalen Hurts is still a rookie until his fourth game. So he's not going to be advanced as advanced as, as, as Flacco. So, of course, Flacco's going to look better during camp, and he's going to look better probably the first week, first couple weeks. But it then Hurts, if he uses his athletic talent, he, he takes in the offense. He's going to do everything he can possibly do to, you know, to be the best player he can be. But there is a slight chance that he will be better 
than than Hurts. Flacco will be better than Hurts. And people need to understand that, you know, they probably see that. And, and I'm going to tell you this, Flacco would not have signed here if he didn't have that opportunity. He would not have signed here. That's why he said what he said. I'm coming in. I'm going to compete. I'm they may, by the nature of being in the in that meeting room. Yes, I'm. A, you know, we're going to you know transfer information. To everybody, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn from Hertz. Hertz going to learn from me. But at the end of the day, I want to go out there and play, and that's what he meant because that's what he was told. And I was saying that nobody wanted to believe me. But I'm telling you what they told him, and they really feel as though it's going to be a competitive quarterback. Um, you know, a competitive quarterback meeting room. And the best player will play. And if it's not Hurts, it might be Flacco. We talked about this very situation earlier in the show. And uh, myself, John, and uh, Martin Frank, we out on, all kind of agreed. If Joe Flacco wins the job, that's bad news. Man, that's, yes, that's very bad not news. good news. Yeah. Any way you slice it, that's bad news. Because I'm sorry, Joe Flacco is not finding the fountain of youth and leading the Eagles to a 10 and 6 record next year. Just no, not happening. It's not. If, if, if Jalen Hurts can't beat him out at his advanced stage and his declining skills, well, then you've made a mistake by not drafting a quarterback in this past draft. And I think they will take one, but it probably won't be till day three. I, Barrett, I, I don't really want to move away from the draft, but I don't want to forget this. So I'm going to ask it of you here. The NFL right now is dealing with an issue between the Players Association and the teams. They came out with statements from 20-some-odd teams. We're not going to participate in any voluntary activities. And then they started the voluntary activities, and a bunch of players showed up. Not all, but a goodly number for each team and the like. You're a former player. You know what the league schedule was, what was voluntary, what wasn't voluntary. Yes, it's changed because you can do things remotely via Zoom. It's just not the same, but at least that's an option. That wasn't an option when you were playing. How important are all these voluntary camps? Will we see a drop-off in play if guys are just saying, well, I'll hop on my computer and we can talk about it, but I'm not showing up at the uh, facility to be able to work out during the offseason? You'll see a definite drop in play. I mean, just to be honest, just to keep it 100, a lot of those guys are there because they probably need the money. They probably spend all their money because everything's prorated over 17 weeks. And those players get like 2500 bucks a week to participate in all those running and lifting and all that type of stuff, workouts. That's probably the major reason why you see a lot of the young guys there trying to get a little extra money. Number two, you want to hone your skills. You want the coach to see you out there. You want, you know, it's, it's like out of state, I mean, out of sight, out of mind. It's the exact same thing. You want the coach to be like, oh, look at this kid. He wants to be here. He's been to every workout. He's done everything we've asked him to do. That's that's huge when you, you know, you're trying to make a team, especially a younger guy. Guys like, you know, Brandon Brooks and, you know, Fletcher Cox, they're not worried about that. But when you have a guy like, you know, that, that's coming in and trying to, you know, really make the team, like all the linebackers and all the, 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 the cornerbacks with the exception of big play slay, all those guys need to be in the system. They need to be learning what this what this um, coaching staff is, is going to propose to them. They don't know what type of defense they're going to run. They don't know what type of offense. So a lot of those guys are going to be there anyway just so they can get a leg up. They want to gain every advantage they can get. And the only way you can do that is being there, being present. Plus, when you have a position like the offensive line, you have to know the guy next to you. You have to see what he's thinking. you got to build a camaraderie between you. you got to understand that or if you see this Emmy Blitz coming, it's got to be seen, not even heard. You just got it's almost got to be where, all right, you see this happening. You got to trust 
that Lane and Brooks pick it up because it's not a way to which they could, you know, they can, you know, bounce each other off of it. It's just got to be something that came with with reps and they understand what they need to do before they need to do it. You can only do that when you're around the player and you've been involved with the player intimately to 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 go through those type of situations. So you have to be there. You have to be there. It would be a terrible game for for everybody if they don't get these camps in. They have to get these camps in. That's why they have the, you know, that's why they can go out there and get the shots now. They can get immunized so they can be around each other. They must have camp. It's a necessity. Yeah, certainly, you know, the the entertainment value, just the aesthetic value of the game is going to go down if you don't prepare. It's common sense. No question, yep. If if you don't practice, you don't get better. But you bring up a good point, Barrett, in the fact that the NFLPA is in a difficult spot because, you know, they they work very hard to get, you know, better quality of life for the players, scale back in the offseason so, you know, you guys could, could do what you want to do in your off time. But on the other hand, voluntary work isn't really voluntary if you're a middle-of-the-road guy, back-of-the-roster guy. Yep. As you mentioned, out of sight, out of mind. If you don't show up, they're just going to go to the next guy. So yep. I don't know how you solve that problem. Is well, it you even, have to be there. Yeah. You got to be there. It, it, it's not even a solvable problem. So I do want to shift to the draft because we got to get to the draft. Number 12 overall. I was talking to Daniel Jeremiah yesterday on this conference call. He brings up that kid from USC. I don't know how deep you've delved into the offense. Very line, deep. Very but deep. Yes. I, I want to get, you know, obviously Sewell is great. Slater's great. Then to me, number three is Vera Tucker. And with Jody, I compared him to Zach Martin because when Zach Martin was coming out of Notre Dame, he played left tackle, but everyone said he can play anywhere. He's going to be a star if you put him at left guard, right guard, right tackle, anywhere. It's turned into a six-time All-Pro. So Jeremiah said on Barrett Tucker, this guy is the cleanest, one of the safest picks in the draft, because you can play him anywhere but center. Is that what you see? Yes, absolutely. He'll be a functional – he'll be a good tackle in the league. But you put him in a smaller environment at the guard position, where he has someone on either side of him, he'll be great. I know when I when I made that transition from being a tackle into playing guard, it elongated my career six more years because it was so much easier to be in there instead of going against guys like Derek Thomas and you know Mr. White and all those guys. It was easier in the inside, even with Warren Sapp, because you have less of an area to cover. And this kid's an athlete too. He can he can run to the second level. He has you know great technique. Um, he can be physical. He, he, I mean, he, he is a safe bet. He played tackle. He played a little guard also. But I see him as a great guard and a good tackle. And that's exactly what the Eagles like. They love that. They love the ability to guys to switch from different positions. Look at all the guys they have playing for him now. They all can play different positions. He would be perfect in the system for the Eagles if they did pick him up. Now, now drafting him at number 12, I think that's kind of a stretch for his talent. I think if you go, you know, if you're going to draft a guy in the first round, it ordinarily would probably be a tackle. But I think that you know he's he's if they trade it back, he's one of those guys he should be drafted right around 25, 26. He's still a really really good player, but you know I, I don't think at this point that he would you know you would you would get the value of a number twelve draft pick um, for him at number twelve. I just can't see it. 
if they were to take him, which I uh, kind of agree with you, Barrett, he's not meritorious of the 12th pick in the draft. Get into the <laughs> 20s, yeah, I'm certainly looking at him. Uh, that's where I would rank him, so it makes more sense. If hooker by crook, the Eagles end up with this kid, either overdrafting him at 12 or trading back and getting him in the 20s where he belongs. Where's the first position they work him out at in camp this year? Well, he's going to be probably backing up both guards. Uh, we, we we know that, you know, uh, at this point, Brandon Brooks has had some injury problems. And we also understand Kelsey. But what if he's a better left tackle than either Dillard or Maialata? I, I think they're going to leave that position alone. I think they're going to let those two battle it out. Uh, you know, they, they need to let either one of those guys get as many reps as they can get and stabilize. I don't think that he would be um, a guy to come in and take the position. But you would, from not, you would not let him get the reps at left tackle. You no. just tell him, you're a guard. Yep, we drafted yep. you. You're now a guard. Even though you played left tackle at USC, we're not going to give you a chance to compete. Wait a minute. Didn't I hear the coach say it's all about competition? Yes. Right. Shouldn't he be given a chance to compete against Myelotta and Dillard at left tackle if that's the case? Well, they're, they're, already, they're already struggling with the fact that Dillard probably won't win the position anyways. It's probably going to be Jordan Mylotta, and they feel they're, they're they're embarrassed because of that, anyways. That's number one. So they don't want to they don't want to put you know any more embarrassment to that position. Number two, they need somebody to back up the guard in the center position. He would be that guy. And I wouldn't say he would play center, but hey, if something happened to Kelsey, and, and there's a good chance because, like I say all the time, Kelsey's held together by yeah. you know halfway through the season by <laughs> duct tape and bubble gum. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to rivet him every once in a while, you know, just to have him come on the field. But if you know, if, if something happens to Kelsey, yeah. they just move Sam Malo down, put Vera Tucker there at the left guard position and they can keep rolling. Yeah. Now, uh, by the way, I don't think the Eagles are taking Vera Tucker at number 12. So, I do want did you get any breadcrumbs from Howie and Andy speaking they mentioned a little bit, then obviously they're not going to mention players by name, but they talked about players can come at different sizes, which people connected to Devontae Smith, and maybe they'd be comfortable with that. Where are you? We're a week away, Barrett. What What do you think this team is going to do? Traditionally, we know the tradition. I say it all the time. They do the line, line. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But are they going to go away from that? I think they're going to go away from it. And I think, number one, it'll probably be a DB. And number two, it'll be a receiver. That'll be one of those two positions. Um, it really depends. If any of the big three of cornerbacks will be there, they'll definitely pick up one of those big three. But if it's, you know, if... if, if Even Farley because of the back injury? I think I think they, they love him. I think they don't have a problem with picking him up. You know, because, I mean, everybody's saying he's healthy now. I think he's healthy now. And just what I'm seeing... <laughs> I think they would pick up Khalif Fairley if, you know, if he's there. But if if, if either of those three aren't there, then I think they go with Devontae Smith because I think Waddle would be taken before uh, before him earlier in the draft. All right, last one for me, Barrett. Um, going back to your playing days again, you were a, uh offensive lineman. Yep. Who did you relate to better? wide receivers or cornerbacks was it an offensive thing if you're outside by your offense we got to get the better of those defensive guys or did you appreciate a defensive guy if they could actually cover one of your guys on the outside as an offensive lineman who did you relate to more wide you know, receivers I, corners I, I related more so to corners because we both play the game backwards i'm playing against a guy if i'm lining up against a guy 
uh, defensive end, he can outrun me if we line up head to head. And I'm trying to block him going backwards. The so same thing with DBs. They're playing the game backwards also. So I say, you know what? I, I, I tend to look towards, you know, DBs and understand that, man, you're out on the island too. I'm out on the island. You play the game backwards. I play the game backwards. You playing against guys that can outrun you in a straight line, but you still you still have to cover them. I, you know, these guys that I'm going against, they could definitely outrun me, and I'm playing <laughs> the game backwards. So I tend to you know look more as at DBs and understanding their plight, and you know, and it kind of you know resemble what I'm going through every day. Barrett, right. last one from me. I'm going to sneak this one in because I have such respect for Jeff Stoutland. I don't think I've ever asked you the difference between offensive line coaches that you've been with. This guy develops, you know, Jordan Mylotta is the perfect example. We're talking about him as a potential starting left tackle. This guy couldn't put on this helmet. I was there day one. He started right. from literally <laughs> ground zero. And right. he's turned him into a potential starting left tackle. How much do, do offensive line coaches, can, how much can they help you? Well, at this point, he's going to be the only thing that saves this team. If he can get that offensive line playing to the ability that I think they can play at, they'll end up winning more games than people give them credit for because they played with a makeshift offensive line last year and, and got the quarterback killed. Well, he's feeling some sort of way about that. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I really think that he's going to take it to another level, have those guys playing, and he's going to be feeding those guys, honestly, gunpowder and hot sauce. He's going to be so fired up that he got the quarterback killed that he's going to make sure them guys don't get touched this next year coming up. So, I, you know, Stalin's probably the best offensive line coach in the league because he took a guy from nothing, molded him, and made him into a pretty damn good offensive tackle in the league. All right, last thing, and it's not going to be a question, Barrett. It's a suggestion. Seeing as you let Harry Mays lead you astray yesterday during yeah. the middle, I'm suggesting it sometime in the first hour of the middle, you challenge him to rock, paper, scissors. Right. I think you guys have to have it out <laughs> on the show today. This first hour, second hour, at some point, you got to take Harry Mays down and rock, paper, scissors. I mean, he's going to crank it. A suggestion from the varsity. Whether right, right, you right, actually right. accept it or not, I'm not sure. But the varsity is suggesting you have a throw down rock, paper, scissors with Harry today. Well, you know the first hour he's cranky anyway. Now I'm not having any of that. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not having that. You know how he is. He's grumpy right. the first hour. That, <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Till, wait till hour number two. Barrett, right. thanks, buddy. Appreciate thanks it greatly. Appreciate it. That's our guy, Barrett Brooks. You can see him every day on the middle right here on the Jacob Media Channel. We'll come back the final couple minutes of this uh, Thursday edition a Birds 365 with Mac and Mac. Stick around. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, 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 middle. the middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that, that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very yeah. few sounds of purity. That's oh. as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. Take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, 
and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. I'm down the home stretch of this episode 14 of Birds 365 on the Jacob Media channel. John McMullen, Jody McDonald uh, here with you. Mac, I know your uh, latest column on phillyboys.com had to do with the non-ficus plant, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni, well-written column. Um, Are you writing for today uh, or are you holding back till Friday, uh, you know people are going to be tuned in tomorrow for us uh, right here, and we'll give you details on the two guests we're going to have. But uh, when are you next in Philly Voice? Next Philly Voice will be Monday, Monday okay. and Thursday. So uh, the Thursday column, obviously, about Nick Sirianni, we talked about yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought he was great. I, I thought he brought some energy to that press conference. Didn't understand all the criticism, you know passionate fan base, emotional fan base. I don't understand the problem with a passionate coach, emotional coach. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't me either. You and I are on the same page there. I like that the fact the guy's got some juice. And could it come back to blow up in his face? Yeah, but that won't be determined until the Eagles actually start playing games. People are already trying to decide how good a coach he's going to be by what he says. Uh, I think that's putting the cart before the horse. They're going to play games. I haven't mentioned May 12th is the schedule true uh the schedule coming out on may 12th it used to come out in mid-april now it gets pushed all the way back to may 12th very you late think, this season you think that's a pandemic thing uh, i think it's partially partially extra game i think there's a little bit more uh that's issues true. with that as well but yeah i mean I, it's always one of the most hilarious you know the the teams everybody's playing. So basically everyone's getting excited over dates. That's it. You know, the what it is absolutely yeah. right. And, and, you know, it, there's an overreaction uh, and maybe we'll save this for tomorrow's conversation uh, about that. Ooh, you got to come up with a number as of the day that the schedule comes out. How that's many wins win. will that's the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles get? My favorite game. 
that that's is that's a win. <laughs> that is so overblown. You are correct, yeah. but you do get to see because some games play into another third straight road game. There are things that you yeah, can yeah. put there into the things. equation yeah. and give you a better read on how good you think the overall season is going to be. Uh, people sure. overdo with the individual game pick. I got that one right. I got that one wrong. But you do learn something when the official schedule does come out. We got to wait a couple of weeks for that. Uh, we plan on learning here tomorrow on Birds 365 with our two guests. Your guy, Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated, is going to be aboard and we'll talk all things draft with him and get his take on what Howie Roseman, uh, Andy Weidel, and uh, excitable coach Nick Sirianni had to say. But we've also got a different type of guest tomorrow, a guy who never went through the draft process, signed as an undrafted free agent. Uh, we should have some fun tomorrow with a former Eagle uh, who I think is a pretty pop. Would you say he's a popular guy here in this town? Yeah, I would say. I would say it's pretty amazing the run that Vince Papali has had in this town. Vince Papali is going to jump aboard with us tomorrow. Uh, good job out of uh, the Krauses for getting Mr. Papali scheduled and up in agreement to uh, jump on our And show. real quick, I said at the beginning of the show, Monday, 920, we're going to have Jeff McLean from the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, uh, Jeff just put out his latest column today about the so we're going to kick up draft week in in a big way because Jeff has done a lot of reporting on the disconnect in the front office and the you know Jeffrey Lurie chiming in on draft picks so good way to kick off draft week very good uh, so you're going to be right back here 22 hours from now when we will crank it up and give you two hours of birds conversation as we do each and every single day. Uh, thanks to Xander, the phenomenal producer of the show. Who I tried to get the Alabama talk in. They just didn't want to let me do it. I, I, I'm calling Howie Roseman on the carpet because he doesn't get an Alabama player. Johnny Mac says it's a coincidence. I don't know about yeah. that. I, I think by the way, he, ask Xander if Jalen Hurts is an Alabama guy. Oh, of course he's going to. Well, uh, no, he'll probably wait till after the season. If he gets the job and he wins it and he's the starting quarterback in 2022, oh, he's an Alabama guy. If Joe Flacco beats him out, oh, he's an Oklahoma guy. That will Good determine point. Good point. Good whether point. he's an Oklahoma guy or an Alabama guy in Xander's eyes. Uh, but thanks, Xander. Thanks to all you guys who hopped on the stream and were commenting throughout the show. We appreciate that greatly. We will do it again tomorrow. Be right back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.